Well, we join this weekend with all of America and remember the life of Martin Luther King. Unlike the world, though, who only sees him as a black civil rights leader, I see him as a man of God. He was someone who, though not perfect like you and I, who espoused the beliefs of Scripture and called the nation towards racial equality, called the nation to justice. And how many know that's still a clarion call we need today? And uh, I just encourage you, the basis of what seems to be his life and, and a great value in our church is the equality of all people, and particularly we as Christians. The Bible says in Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Sons being a generic term, crossing gender. Verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, think of the classes and the divisions. There's neither Jew nor Greek, which was the great cultural divide. There's neither slave nor free the great economic divide. There, uh, there is neither male nor female, the great gender divide, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And could I just encourage you as a Christian to realize today that I'm no better, no worse than, come on, other people, this, this kind of idea, I'm up here and you're down here because of your age, because of your, where you were raised, because of your education, your money, your, your, your backgrounds, whatever it may be. How many know Jesus Christ is the great uniter? Jesus Christ is the one, the cross of Christ, the blood of Christ. It makes us equal in the sight of God, and hopefully we stand for that in the days ahead. Praise the Lord. God bless you, and give the Lord a good hand. And uh, it's an honor to have you. Turn your Bibles this morning, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, Acts 13. I'm continuing a series that I began the first of the year called God Still Speaks. Can you say that with me? God still speaks. Now that's a profound statement because there's many in the body of Christ that believe that God spoke in the days of the Bible, but He no longer speaks today. And let me suggest you to pause just a moment if that's your tradition you were raised in or perhaps what you believe today, to open your eyes and perhaps to a new perspective. Remember when Jesus told His disciples that it was better that He would go away because if He left, the Holy Spirit would come. Now think how profound that is. Jesus, God incarnate, says, it's better if I leave because I'm kind of just in one place. I am God incarnate, I'm, I'm in the flesh, but when I move over here, I'm not over there. I supernaturally, by word of knowledge, can know what's over there, but I'm over here. But the Holy Spirit somehow has a way to live inside every believer. When you pray the prayer and say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior, and you invite God to be a part of your life, what literally happens is somehow the Holy Spirit comes to be in our lives, that God consciousness that's within us. And God is a communicator. Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth, that He was a comforter, He was a counselor, He was the one called alongside to help us. And implicit in all those definitions is that God is a communicator, God is a director, that God wants His ways to, to kind of guard and shape and guide us. And in this series, I'm challenging you not only to open your understanding and thought life to the fact that God speaks, and God does speak in many ways. In the Scripture, we see God speaks to us individually through dreams, through visions, I shared several weeks ago a vision my grandfather had in the Baltic state of Latvia, World War II. The Russians came in their home, or the Germans rather, and they took them out of their home forcibly in the middle of the night. He's on a boxcar for Siberia, and in the middle of the night he has a vision, and he said, Jesus appeared to me and said, fear not. It's like a picture, a word, fear not. Sometimes a vision is, is played out like a, like a movie picture. The next day, my grandfather was taken out of that boxcar, given a shovel to dig his grave, and at that very point in time, how I many know oh, there's a little fear that could sneak up on you? 
that very point in time, the, the front shifted with the Russians. The Germans leave. They're free to, to go back. And, of course, he gets his family, and they come to America. But in the middle of the night of vision, fear not. And God speaks to us predominantly, though, not through a vision or a dream, that tends to be more, more, more isolated, but he speaks to us ongoingly through what the Bible calls a still small voice, the inner witness of peace. It is the Holy Spirit in us. It is our spirit learning to becoming acquainted with how God would direct our lives and our steps. Last week we talked about the Bible speaks through us through the voice of Scripture. The dominant way God speaks, the way that we judge everything else, is the written Word of God, the revelation of God. Now, you can go back and listen to any of our messages online. They're on our webpage, churchintherock.org. If you've got a smartphone, we've got an app for iPhones or, or Androids. Uh, you can listen to it. You can watch it. You can read the notes. And we Actually, we download, download the notes before Saturday. You can bring your iPad to church and kind of follow along. But I really want to encourage you today to really listen because I'm going to fill your plate full this morning as I talk about this third way God speaks to us is through other people, particularly the voice of prophecy. Uh, God speaks to us through what the Bible calls prophecy or prophesying. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in three different veins this morning. The morning's message is entitled, The Voice of Prophecy. And we're going to look at three main headings this morning. One is the prophetic, uh, uh, prophetic uh, predictions in the Bible. How many know the Bible prophesies? It foretells the future. What's going to happen in the days that are ahead of us? Uh, they, they're making predictions today on the Super Bowl. Gamblers are saying, I tell you what, I'll give you five to two odds that so-and-so this team is going to be in the Super Bowl and they're going to win by so many. I mean, uh, it's just kind of best guess. Based on the facts as they understand it and any manipulation behind the scenes, this is best guess. But the Bible makes predictions that it is a foretelling just as Christ was foretold to come to this earth, it was predicted 700 years before his birth where he would be born, Bethlehem, uh, born of a virgin, all these incalculable things that Christ fulfilled. It makes predictions. We'll talk about it. Secondly, we'll talk about what the Bible calls a prophet, specifically New Testament prophets. And I will suggest to you the Bible clearly teaches that prophets are necessary to bring the body of Christ to maturity today. And thirdly, I'll talk about the gift of prophecy, which the Bible will tell us that all of us as believing people can desire and pursue. And simply this gift of prophecy is me being able to hear the Holy Spirit and help another person with what I hear. So we'll talk about these three things. Let's begin this morning in uh, Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, punch your neighbor and say, I think it's going to be good this morning. But like I said, I'm going to fill your plate this morning. I'm going to give you a lot to think about. And I want you to, if nothing else, write some of these scriptures down that may be new to you or challenge some thinking you may have. And hopefully it creates a, 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 an intrigue and excitement in your heart about it. Revelation chapter 1, first predictive prophecy in scripture foretells the future. Now in this case, God inspired a man to write. Now prophecy by definition is simply this. It is a word that is spoken, that is written, or that is sung under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is a word that God would inspire a person to write down. How many know the Bible is completed? There will be no more additions to the Bible. But how many know God might inspire somebody to write a Facebook message to you that could be inspired by God? And come on, it's not going to be the book of uh, Fourth John here. You know what I'm talking about? But it's just simply a Christian endeavoring to communicate. But it could, be, it could be preaching. Hopefully, the words that I give you today are not just my own thoughts or words, but hopefully the Holy Spirit has inspired me in this direction. Uh, we'll talk about these things. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, though, the idea of predictive prophecy. 
The revelation, verse 1, of Jesus Christ. The word revelation is the unveiling, the apocalypse. The, uh, something that's revealed is not something that's figured out. If we just had a powerful enough microscope or telescope that we could figure it out. No, that's not what we're talking about. If we could just write the right algorithm, we could have the answers to the great questions people are asking Google about. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God having secrets that are hidden, that are unlocked in the pages of Scripture. Now, how many know the whole Bible is predictive in many respects? Old Testament books, Genesis would prophesy even of the coming Christ and his victory over Satan quickly after the fall of man. But particularly the book of Revelation is one entire prophecy of the end times. The revelation or the revealing of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, God the Father gave to Christ the Son, to show to his servants, that's us, the things that must, say it with me, soon take place. The God who neither lives in the past nor present or future, but somehow inhabits it all. God is able to tell us what's going to happen. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John. So the Father reveals, gives it to the Son. The Son speaks to an angel somehow, and the angel communicates it to John. John the Revelator, John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos. He had this prophetic vision. It's a movie, and the book of Revelation is like a, a, a movie with many parts that begins in their day and will go unto the end of the ages, into eternity. Prophecy, particularly in Revelation, is like mountains. And if you've seen a mountain range, if you're looking here and you're in your car or you're standing at one, it looks like here's a mountain and there's a bigger one behind it. And if you climb to the top of the first one, you may well find that there's a ten mountains in between, or there's a great valley in between. Well, that's what prophecy is like. Daniel, who's quoted in the book of Revelation, Daniel quoted in the book of Thessalonians, written seven or eight hundred years before the New Testament was written, saw these mountain peaks, and they all talked about end-time events. Well, verse uh, 2 says, He bore witness to the Word of God, that is, John bore witness that this revelation was the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So he saw the vision, this communication from God, and he wrote it down. In verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And it goes on to say the one who hears and the word who obeys. And the last phrase says, for the, the time is near. Now, we could talk a ton about predictive prophecy, but I want to focus just a moment or two on one particular thing in the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation talks about end-time events. It spoke to the churches in their era, churches in this region of, of the Mediterranean world, but they're pictures and types of the church age for all time. But particularly it looks towards the end of the age. The book of Revelation will speak of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It will speak of judgment day. And would to God that we would speak in our schools once again of a judgment day. I suggest to you one of the great helps to the violence that's unleashed in America today, gun violence, is if our kids were taught and adults were taught that we're going to have to give an account for our life one day. If someone would care enough about our citizenry and tell us that you're going to have to stand before God and give an account for your life. And the Bible says in the Ten Commandments that it should be back on the walls of our schools. Come on. It should be in our restaurants. It should be in our buildings. Then one of which says, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not take an innocent human life because you'll give an account before God. Well, the Bible speaks of a judgment day. It speaks of a literal place called heaven, and it speaks of a literal place called hell. The Bible depicts the great white throne judgment in the latter part of the book of Revelation. How many of these are pretty important things? This is more important than where I'm going to go duck hunting in the morning. 
It's more important than you going to work tomorrow, though you need to go to work. It's more important than who's going to be at the, who's going to play in the Super Bowl. You know, who's going to have the party? And I'll come if you have one, maybe. But, but it's more important than all these things. As important it is to a young person that you get your education, it's more important that you prepare for the last days. As important as it is to get married and marry the right person, it's more important that you live attuned to God for the days that are before us. Well, the Bible speaks of a creation of a new heaven and a new earth. I, am, I do care about the earth and the planet. I do think we need to pick up the trash and take care of things. But this earth is going to be gone one day. The modern environmental, uh, environmental movement often goes beyond care for the planet and basically worships the earth and cares more about the earth than it does in human beings. Listen, the Bible says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. If this shapes my thinking, come on, rather than some garbledy goop coming out of a science lab today, then people would have a clear perspective of the future. The Bible talks about a day when there will be no more sickness and pain. And believers will live for Christ for all eternity. But here's where I want to focus. The book of Revelation predicts a one-world government. A one-world government, a one-world economic system that is facilitated by what's called the mark of the beast. That in some way, every person on the planet will be identified with some mark on their forehead, on their hand, somehow communicating the fact of all their pertinent data Money will be done away with. Somehow those that want to live in the world of barter will be arrested or put aside, won't be able to function. But the Bible depicts a day where there will be a one-world government, a one-world economic system, and a one-world leader. And this old boy that's coming down the road, the Scripture calls him the Anti-Christ. And it embodies a rebellion against God. It is the same spirit that's behind America today that suggests that we can take care of our economic lives. We don't need God. All we need is whatever, more deficit spending, or, or we can take care of ourselves. For the Christian realizes, come on, that there is one, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Christians experienced persecution in their day because they would not bow to Caesar who was supposed to be God on earth. There is one Lord and His name is Jesus Christ. And the kingdom of God came into a clash with the kingdom of darkness. That clash is upon us, friend, and it's not going to get better in America unless there's a revival. God could send an awakening, but if an awakening doesn't come, it's going to get worse for the Christian. There's going to be a cost to pay. The Bible says here's where we're going. And if you think this is just some pie-in-the-sky thing, let me give you some quotes from world leaders. Now listen to what they say about a one-world government. First, a the Deputy Secretary of, Secretary of State under Bill Clinton, 12 years ago, he said, nations as we know it will be obsolete. No more France, no more Germany, no more Australia, no more America. He says this, he said, states will recognize a single global authority. Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, there is one global authority. Now, um, Mikhail Gorbachev, Russia, further global progress is now possible only through a new world order. Our president, President Obama, all nations must come together to build a stronger global regime. Al Gore who tells us climate change is destroying the planet. And listen, young people in particular, climate change is destroying the planet. Hence, we don't need more carbon uh, emissions. Hence, we need to make sure that we tax this and control this. Here's what he said. He said a climate bill will help bring about global governance. The issue is not all the emails and research and scientists who agree with global warming or disagree. The issue is 
a power grab headed towards a one-world government. Henry Kissinger, for decades involved in politics, listen, listen to what he says. Today, America would be outraged if UN troops entered Los Angeles to restore order. Tomorrow, they will be grateful. See, we value individual rights, the Constitution, states' rights, federalism, a free nation. I'm telling you, people of power are not interested in what you're interested in. He goes on to say, Kissinger, individual rights will be willingly relinquished for the guarantee of their well-being by the world government. Listen to this one. The assist, uh, a former assistant attorney general of the United Nations. We must move as quickly as possible to a one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world leader. United Nations. Head legal guy. We must move as quickly as possible to a one-world government, a one-world economy, a one-world religion, and it's not Christianity, and a one-world leader. You say, whoa, India, how is all of that going to happen? India today has launched a nationwide program involving an ID number to every single one of its 1.2 billion residents. Each of these numbers will be tied to biometric data using three different forms of information, fingertips, iris scans, and pictures of the face. All ten digits of the hand will be recorded. Both eyes will be scanned, and they're processing a million people a day. Under the guise of eliminating fraud in the welfare state. So what's the point of all this? Our world is heading at breakneck speed towards a one-world government. Now, so if the Bible predicts this, what does that mean? It means we should prepare. And I don't mean just in self-defense. What I mean, though, is that you are living your life with Christ first. That you're realizing that any, nothing on this earth will last. It is the kingdom of God that is eternal. That God cannot be marginalized in my life. God cannot be compartmentalized in my life. Christ must be all in all. Come on. That we must give our lives to Him because the kingdom of heaven is what's eternal. See, the kingdoms of this world are not. Now listen, I believe, listen, I still pray for my leaders so I can live, as the Bible says, a quiet and peaceable life. I still hope for a revival that will turn this nation back to God. But ultimately, this is where you're going to end up. And the predictive scriptures warn us so we can be ready. But isn't it exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he said, when you see these signs happening, get ready because my coming is near? Didn't Jesus say, watch and be ready? Don't be a foolish servant, come on, who went off doing their own thing and ignored my plan and my expectation of my coming. So the, the, the first dimension of prophecy that we'll talk about this, evening, this morning is the predictive nature of prophecy that is foretelling in the Scripture. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Now, let me give you a second expression of the voice of prophecy, which, by the way, I know this is a lot. You may want to go back and pick up these notes, like I said, on the app or computer. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let's talk about prophets, in particular, New Testament prophets. And I, I make this statement, they're necessary to bring the body of Christ to maturity. Now, every Christian, everyone that holds a Bible across our city to this morning, believes that there were prophets. Come on, Moses was a prophet, Elijah was a prophet, Elisha, uh, Daniel was a prophet. In the Bible, the major prophets, the length of the book, Daniel, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know, 10, 12 minor prophets, Obadiah, Hosea, and all that. Uh, but, 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 but we kind of stop short and say, well, that was for back then. 
but we don't need that today. Let me suggest, update your theology based on the Bible, not your experience. Ephesians 4.11, Christ gave Himself, and this is what's called the five-fold ministry, He gave Himself apostles, say it with me, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, every Christian, every Christian denomination or group recognizes the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're kind of safe, usually. You know, a pastor, uh, a pastor teacher, somebody teaches the Bible, an evangelist wins souls. But the apostle and the prophet are a little bit out there in some thoughts. Jesus said it would be the, the foundation built upon the cornerstone. But here's the purpose of these fivefold, and then we'll see timing. The purpose was to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be what? built up. So I want you to imagine your workplace. If you're in a larger company, you've probably got somebody that does marketing. You've got somebody maybe that does the manufacturing end. You've got somebody in the financial end. You've got somebody in the personnel end. And, and you've got something else. Uh, these key departments are leaders of these departments. Make the company work and everybody else works under them. Well, the body of Christ is the same way. These apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, they work together to build the body. But now look at verse 13. It's this interesting word, five letters. What does it say? Until. We need these five-fold ministries, ascension gift ministries at work, until we all reach the unity in the faith. Do you think we're there yet? No. no. Until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become what? Mature. So is it fair to say that we're not there yet? But God's intent is to get us there so when Christ comes we'll be a glorious bride come on without spot and without wrinkle so I suggest to you the Bible clearly teaches we need these ministries now how did they function Acts 11 verse 27 in Acts 11 27 a New Testament prophet Agabus verse 27 says somewhat some prophets came to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world, and it happened, by the way, during the reign of Claudius, the Roman, Roman Caesar. So what does that mean? A man by revelation, something that he couldn't figure out, listen, I'm going to have to get a new weather app. I use weather.com, and yesterday I went duck hunting, and it was supposed to be 35 degrees, and I dressed accordingly, and I got out to the duck pond, and it was 25 degrees. So come on, with all the technology, they can't even figure me, tell me what kind of clothes I need to wear. Well, the Bible is a bit different. A prophet doesn't just figure something out. God reveals something to them. And then they communicate what God shows them to people. Now, stay with me. Again, we see him in Acts 21, Agabus. Agabus here, he took Paul's belt. Mind you, now Paul is getting ready to go towards Jerusalem. There's going to be persecution He's been warned already, but God's going to send him to Rome. He's had a vision in the night to tell him these things. But in Acts, uh, Paul, Agabus takes his belt, ties his hands and feet with it, and he says, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, what is that? That is a prophecy that's not telling him not to go. It's simply warning him to prepare him for what lies ahead. Now, the New Testament prophet operated at a higher level in the gift of prophecy than you or I would. A New Testament prophet has refined his or her, the prophetess, 
Remember, number of prophetesses in the Bible. By the way, the New Testament, Philip's four daughters prophesied. So, but the prophet operates at a higher level. How I many you know not everyone who prophesies is a prophet? See, we should all be able to hear the Lord and speak to people to help them. But the prophet will literally hear this prophecy, tell people what God wants. It could be directive. For example, you remember Acts 13 when Paul is supposed to go on the Gentile mission. It could be directive. It could be warning like he did here with the persecution. It could be declarative. Declarative such as uh, uh, Elijah declared that it wouldn't rain, you remember, for three years. That's a pretty big deal. And at his word, God honored it. Or most likely prophecy as we see it is, is encouragement. Now, let me give you one more scripture. 1 Timothy 4, 14. It says, do not neglect the gift you have which you learned in school. See, that's when you say no. Come on, preacher. Do not neglect the gift you have that was given you when you were conceived in your mother's womb. Do not neglect the gift you received when you were sitting in front of the TV watching Disney as a kid. No. Don't neglect the gift you have which was given you by what? Prophecy when the council of elders or the New Testament or the word presbytery, the Greek word is presbyteron when they laid their hands on you. So here's the picture. Paul speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy, I could get a little hot in here, guys. I don't know if it's me or the air conditioning. I see a lot of people fanning. Maybe we need some iced tea. What do you think? <laughs> Stay with me then. Okay, so anyway, so, so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to think about this and put that scripture back on the screen, please. Paul says, remember the day when I came to you and elders, senior leaders in the body of Christ, placed their hands on you. Now, one of the foundational doctrines in the New Testament is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. You'll see this taught, and I think it's Hebrews 4 or 5, when it talks about the foundational doctrines. Remember in the Old Testament, what the priest would do once a year is they would lay his hands on that animal, and they would sacrifice the animal for the sins of the people, and they would send the animal in the wilderness. They would impart. It was a spiritual impartation. You'd see that some of the great patriarchs, Jacob, Joseph, they laid their hands and they blessed their children. It was a sign of spiritual impartation. Even in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I long to see you so I might impart to you some spiritual gift. Now, this is a little bit different than the Sunday school class I was raised in. How about you? But it's in the Bible. And I suggest you open your thinking to the Bible that a man of God discerned God's will for Timothy. And maybe they said something like this. We're sensing that God wants you to operate in the gift of faith. And Timothy, we're going to lay our hands on you and believe that the Holy Spirit is going to impart to you the gift of faith, and you'll operate in this gift, and you'll be able to expand God's kingdom. Is that pretty much what we just read? How about the rest of you? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. It, it operated in me. It changed my life, the gift of prophecy in a presbytery, which, by the way, we're having one here Wednesday night at 6.30 and Thursday at 6.30. We're having some men ministry prophetically. That we have some people that are called out in advance and then they'll minister in the crowd to a number of people that are here. You might want to just come check it out if you're just kind of checking it out or if you're intrigued by it or if you're excited by it. But when I was 23 years of old, I was getting out of the Navy and I was trying to figure out what I was supposed to do next. Now, how many know for the Christian, it's not always figuring it out. It's asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? And I had three pathways in my life. I wanted, really, I wanted to go back, and, and I was in California then. Thank God I'm not there anymore. But I was there and uh, uh, serving the Lord. 
and, and I wanted to move back to the south, back to my family, and I wanted to farm with my dad. I wanted to kind of pick up sports. I was, I was a kicker in college at a scholarship, kind of wanted to go back and do that, kind of a guy thing. But deep in my heart, I wanted to go in Christian ministry. But I didn't know if that was God's will. I didn't know if I had what it took. I just, I just didn't know. But deep down, that was in me. And I remember when I went to the presbytery as a 23-year-old, I knelt down before men who didn't even know me, the pump had not been primed, and as they came up to me, this man put his hands on my, show, on, my, on my head, and he said, ministry. And I heard the other one say, there's a shepherd's heart within him. So the calling in my heart to be a pastor was confirmed by a prophet, and my heart leapt, and I made the next decision in my life. Can I tell you, that gift operates today. And we need it in the body of Christ. Come on, to build the body of Christ till we come to maturity. Give the Lord a good hand. Let, let, me, let me give you one more. Uh, Acts chapter 2. This first one was the prophetic prediction in Scripture, then the New Testament prophet. Now, the gift of prophecy. Remember I said not everyone who prophesies is a prophet? But you will see in the Scripture very clearly that the Bible teaches that all of us can prophesy. And I'm not talking about predicting what's going to come, but I'm talking about words that will encourage and strengthen people where we basically are hearing the Holy Spirit on behalf of another person and giving words from God to help them. And how many know you don't have to say, Yea, yea, thus saith the Lord. How many know when the Lord's speaking, come on, you know it. Acts 2 verse 17 and I've read this scripture each, each, each week to you, but I want its impact to sink in. This is the day of Pentecost. It's Peter. And Peter interprets what's happening is this way. He says, in the last days, and if they were in the last days, don't you think we're in the latter part of the last days? Verse 18, God says, I will pour out my spirit even on who? My servants. He'd already mentioned all people, but now he says, my servants, men and women alike. And what will they do? Prophesy. That is, they will, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in, uh, communicate words from God to other people. Now, how does this work? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The purpose of prophecy is very clear. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12, he's about to talk about the nine spiritual gifts, and he says this. He said, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can do what? Help each other. What does that mean? The, the, the Holy Spirit gives gift to Pastor Mike and Pastor Travis so they can be in the ministry. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people who've gone to Bible college. No. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people that are, that are uh, let's see, willing to donate a lot of time. People that will give a lot of money. No. The Holy Spirit gives it to each of us. Can you just do your finger like this and say, you're each of us? See, the Holy Spirit's given gifts to each of us, and the purpose is so that we can help people under the aid of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, are, are people going to make mistakes with this? Absolutely. But listen, when your kid is learning to play ball and strike out, remember T-ball, and, and, and the ball is on the little stand, and they do this? And then they go... <laughs> You don't go up to that child and shake them and say, stupid, you put your feet two foot apart and you step into the ball. No, you go up and you encourage them until one day they do this, bango. And then you stand up in the stands and you applaud them. Well, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, listen, don't despise prophesying. 
which means don't scoff at it, don't laugh at it, don't say it's not real, don't say it's not true. But then it says, prove all things, and then do what? Hold fast to that which is good. So we'll talk in the next week or two about how you figure out what's true and right and embrace it, and how you reject the other stuff that's out there. How many, how many like watermelon? Let me see your hand here. Oh, it's my favorite favorite, favorite time to eat it. I mean, when you cut that thing open and you see some black seeds, you don't throw it away. Come on. You pick out the seeds and then you eat the watermelon. That's exactly how we relate to this. Let me give you a couple more scriptures and then we'll go this morning. You remember the Bible said in, in, in Corinthians that this purpose of the prophecy was to help each other. So the nine gifts of the Spirit, remember 1 Corinthians 12, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, faith, uh, what else was it? Speaking in tongues, interpreting that, that heavenly communication, miracles, discerning of spirits, all these things. But 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, One who prophesies speaks to people for their... Let's get the next scripture here, 14.3. One who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouragement, and to build them up. Try to find that. It's about three slides back. The one who prophesies, what they do is their words, if they're from God, will strengthen people, they will help them, and they will build them up. L let me tell you how this works. I was in Baylor uh, during my wife's surgery. Now, I had been kind of loopy in, in, in a daze for about a week or ten days. Uh, normally, my days last about an hour or so, but for this particular time, it lasts about a week. That was a joke, okay? So when I say something like that, it's okay for you to laugh. Some of you are in a constant daze. I look at you, and I don't know how. But anyway, I'm kind of, you know, I'm in a daze, and I went down to get something to eat while she was in surgery. And I run down there real quick, and they're making a salad, and it's real good. And, and this lady was behind there, didn't know her from Adam. And uh, uh, I couldn't even figure out what salad dressing I wanted. And then I, I forgot that she'd put cheese on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was kind of where I was. And, and I started talking to her, and, and she looked at me, and she said, it's going to be all right. I said, you know, my wife and I prayed so much, and she was Christian. And then we started the God conversation. She said, you know what? The Lord is in this place. Come on, this is, Christian, Christian, this is a Christian hospital. Baylor, founded by Baptists. Come on now. It's a Christian hospital. There's good people here. God's going to help you. And it's like she was prophesying to me. Listen, she was prophesying to me. Somebody else in the hospital loop had come in, and they knew what was, you know, going on, all the details. They gave me the statistics that told me she was going to be okay. But this woman didn't give me statistics. She gave me a word from the Lord. And I want to tell you, that is what prophecy does. It strengthens you. It encourages you. It builds you up in your faith. Someone told me last week about a friend that he came to church last week, and uh, they, uh, before church, they said, I just wish somebody would tell me they love me. Didn't tell anybody else. Well, one of the leaders in the church just came up to this person after service was over, and guess what they said? I love you, and I'm sure glad you're here. Now, look, I asked them, and I know they don't say that to a whole lot of people, but they said it to her and didn't even realize they were being used by God, come on, to make a difference in this person's life. You can have this gift of prophecy, friend. It is simply hearing from the Holy Spirit and communicating to help another person. Give the Lord a good, a good hand. I'm going to show you a little video and wrap this up. A little true story. It was, a, it was a, about a minute interview on TBN with a worship leader in America named Israel Houghton. He was the worship leader for Joel Osteen's church, big church in Houston, 30,000 people come. And this guy's a worldwide worship leader, but his mom was a drug addict, 
and pregnant and almost aborted him before he was born. And listen to how God used a person to prophesy and to help that situation. Go ahead and hit the video and, and then we'll wrap up. And my mother got pregnant when she was still in high school. She was 17 and, and um, there was a lot of pressure on her, obviously. She had a great future ahead of her and, and a lot of people close to her said, just have an abortion and kind of move on with your life. And, I'm grateful that she chose not to do that. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Very grateful. And uh, to make a long story short, she, they, they lived in Iowa, and she essentially got kicked out of her folks' home and ended up on the West Coast. And um, when she was eight months pregnant, she, she had been doing drugs throughout the pregnancy, and the state of California, you know, said, we're going to take your child away because you're an unfit mother. And literally... One day as she's walking down the street <clears throat> with all that weight of the world on her shoulders, she's walking in the, and a lady across the street sees her and, and just stops and gets out of her car and actually kind of jogged across the street to get her attention. She said, I don't know you, but I feel like I had to come and tell you that Jesus loves you. Wow. And you're wow. not forgotten. Wow. And, and literally on the street, she just loved on her and there was... There was no organ playing. There was no head, heads bowed and eyes closed. But literally, she had her own altar call right on the street. And from that day, didn't touch another drug. From that day, God just did miracle after miracle. All right, think about this. And this could be you. His mother walking down the sidewalk, eight months pregnant, drug dealer. The state said, we're going to take your baby because you're an unfit mother. And how many know the sidewalks of L.A. are pretty crowded if you've ever been to L.A.? walking this way, somebody driving a car this way, and there's one person, come on, think of the odds of this, and the Holy Spirit says, pull your car over, and why don't you go talk to that girl? Imagine what she thought. I don't know who that girl is. What would she say? What if she laughs at me? She didn't do any of that. She simply went over and said, I feel like God wants to tell you that he loves you, and he hadn't forgotten you. Bango. What is that? prophecy, word of the Holy Spirit. God is communicating to one person through another person. And the drugs stop, and this kid's born, and he makes an impact on the whole world. It all happened because of a prophecy. It happened. The whole Gentile ministry was birthed because Paul had hands laid on him, and the Holy Spirit says, I'm sending you into the Gentile world. I'm confirming you for ministry. We're sending you out. That same kind of thing can happen every day, and it can happen in you, and it can happen in me. And I'm going to close with this scripture. Put the last one on the screen. 1 Corinthians 14.1, here's what it says. A great, great chapter about the subject. 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says these words. Paul said, follow the way of love, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So it doesn't say, don't pretend they're not there. Don't just say, well, if God wants to give me something, bless God, He'll give it to me, I dare you. Put the scripture back up, please. It didn't say that. It says, eagerly desire, earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially... Peter already said in Acts that this is available for all men and women. And then the Bible says we're supposed to desire these gifts, but especially this ability to just be inspired by the Holy Spirit and speak words of life that are going to help another person. How many can say that's for me, and I'm in on that, huh? Come on, give the Lord a good hand this morning. And why don't you stand to your feet, and we're going to close with, with prayer today. Praise the Lord. Give a song, Pastor Nick, and, and let's ask the Holy Spirit just to kind of seal this word in our hearts today. It's nothing more.
Praise the Lord. Come on, slip your hands to heaven with me. A little stretch and a little worship at the same time. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, your presence. You have tasted and seen. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free, my shame is under your presence, your presence. We welcome you in this place, oh Lord. if I could just say on behalf of all of us today, that's us. Lord, we want to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. We, we want to be, able to, to be able to be inspired by the Holy Spirit and help people. We want to have the courage to be able to, first of all, to know the Lord and have courage like that woman did to pull her car over and go talk to that gal. That's what we want in our life. We just ask the Holy Spirit to come to us. We want to say out loud today that we agree with that scripture that says desire spiritual gifts. And we want, Lord, your supernatural function in our lives. But especially, as the scripture said, to desire the gift of prophecy. And we just ask you, Lord, to come to each and every one of us today. And let that gift work not just at church, but let it work on the streets. Let it work at business. Let it work in our home. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of miracles and healing and all down the line. But especially today, let us hear the voice of prophecy. And we just welcome you and we bless you in Jesus' name. I want to close with an opportunity for prayer. You know, it's always appropriate to kind of seal the deal with God. And I just want to ask you today, what has the Lord been speaking to you about in this message? The greatest compliment I could ever receive is when someone says, I feel like God was talking to me when you were preaching. Because see, what that tells me is the Holy Spirit speaking through me to you. And maybe the Holy Spirit put his finger on something today. Maybe you come from a background that, you know, this whole idea of God speaking and gifts, that that's just anathema, and you just don't do that. And, And something's holding you back. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and leave that here. Maybe you had a bad experience. And I don't know about you, but I have. I've had people prophesy some of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life, and it's just a whole easier to just throw it away. But how many know you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater? How many know you prove all things and hold fast? Maybe you need to ask God to release you from some things in the past. Or, or maybe you just want to come and just say, I want someone to lay their hands on me, and I want God to begin to do supernatural things in my life. We would be honored to pray for you, and this would be the perfect time. But the most important thing that I'd offer prayer for is maybe you need to get right with God today. How many know that this whole idea of, you know, God speaking to you and all that's great, but it doesn't mean anything unless you have a personal relationship with Christ. And maybe that's what you need. Maybe you're, you, you, could, you, you don't have to be as bad as that lady who is pregnant and drugs and all that, but you could be. 
But wherever you are in your life, you know if there's a God-shaped hole that's missing. You know if you're trying to fill up something in your life with, 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 and it just doesn't work. You can't drink enough, smoke enough, make enough money, get enough education to fulfill a God-shaped hole. Only Jesus Christ can. But I give you this promise. If you would humble yourself and ask for God to forgive you and give you a brand new start in life, if you'd have the courage to say, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you and follow you. If you make that step, I guarantee you God will change your life. And if that's what you need today, a brand new start in God, and you want to commit your life to Christ for the first time or you've gotten away and you need to get back, we want to pray for you. So if that's you and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get right with God. Lift your hand real quickly. We want to acknowledge that. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Others today say, pray for me. Real quickly this morning, pray for me. I'm out of time today. Pray for me. I want to get my life right with God today. I want to put my trust in Christ. All right, we're going to pray for anyone. God bless you too, dear, back there. God bless you too. Somebody else, I'll wait just a second. It's a tug of war that goes on in our hearts. I've been there. Something's pulling you to try to get you out to that car as quick as you can. And there's something else pulling trying to say, respond to God. Go to that altar and let them pray for you. Because i got news for you. I don't want a thing from you. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want your money. I don't want a thing from you. I just want to give you a chance to get connected to God. So here's my question. Which voice are you going to listen to? The one pulling you away or the one pulling you to God? If you hear it and say, Pastor, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ now. Let me see any other hands today. Say, pray for me. I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. Anyone else this morning? All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to have our prayer team come right now. And you two ladies that lifted your hand, come let us pray for you. Give them one more big hand today. Come let us pray for you. And anybody else that needs prayer for anything, you come. And we'd be honored to pray. Come on, let us pray for him this morning. God bless you, dear. She's making a step to Christ right here. The lady coming in the, in the kind of yellow and green vest, she's making a step. Come on, prayer team, come. And begin to sing, Pastor Nick. And we're going to pray for you all this morning. She's making a step to Christ right here, Pastor Mike. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you Wednesday and Thursday, 6.30 at our prophetic presbytery. God bless you.